0: That is a duel
1: from Tim K. has done it again! What a goal by Tim K. Thompson! Oh. Oh. Five goals to Archie! the league yeah. champion,
2: On 11-16 S-E-A. The
3: Four Diego's. G'day everyone and welcome to The Four Diego's here in on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on this uh, very cool Wednesday night. Hey, thanks to finding on another fantastic show. And don't forget, Finey's back tomorrow from 7pm uh, as always. Uh, Warren Diego, you're in the house today. Welcome to you.
1: Yes, thank you, Rodrigo. It's a pleasure to be here. And um, can I say, am I allowed to say something? Or are we doing... You know how you
2: like to go round really quickly and spend more time with Carlos than anyone else.
3: Carlos Alberto Diego, welcome to you. Good
2: evening to you, Rodrigo. I think I'll, let's let's indulge in a bit of a chat for about ten minutes between me and you. Sure. But that guy over there, Harry Redknapp lookalike, doesn't get to say anything because, of course, he's he's beloved Melbourne City one tonight. Yes. So I know we're going to give something away.
3: Well, yeah, we will be very but soon.
2: I think the, the the winner of that of that thing we're going to give away should be the person that comes up with a bigger statement than what Warren's going to come up with, uh, with about Melbourne City.
3: Is your statement about Melbourne City? No,
2: no,
1: no. My statement was basically refusing to allow Carlos to um, underval- devalue, undervalue, or curb my enthusiasm.
3: Nice one again. Yes. I'm, I'm very impressed.
1: Because right now... You're referring I to am, Melbourne City, aren't you? No, 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 I'm. I'm referring to I'm following perhaps the best two teams oh. in world football <laughs> right at the moment, of which Melbourne City is better than Liverpool. No, no, Liverpool are <laughs> clearly are clearly the best team in English football at the present moment. Oh. Well, they've played the best teams. Can we move on, Rodrigo? No, and Melbourne City? Garbage. Well, it's going to be. It's going to be distance between Melbourne City and the rest.
3: Hold those amazing thoughts there, Warren, because we've got a Q&A coming up very, very soon. Who's uh, Q&A, Rodrigo? Rodrigo <laughs> Rodriguez's <laughs> yeah, Q&A. I thought it was. And uh, we've got Mike McGrath coming up a little bit later on to talk about everything in the UK. And we've got a very special guest uh, in about 15 minutes or so. We've got uh, a good friend of the Diego's, uh, Roy Hay. Uh, historian, a raconteur about the world game. He's written a number of books, which we'll talk to him about. But tonight, uh, he's, we're going to talk about his book, Football and War, Australia and Vietnam, 1967 to 1972, a missing part of the national narrative. It's mm. really, really important. And we're looking forward to, get, to getting Roy's insight into that. And we're also giving away one of the books as well. So, Carlos, in true 3XY old days uh, in, in style, we're going to give a book away to the fifth caller through right now. Yep. If you want to have that book, it's, it's a fantastic piece of uh, literature and it's also a really, really important piece of literature. It is football and war, uh, how important um, that era was for this country. Australia and Vietnam, 1967 to 72, a missing part of the national narrative. Give us a call, 9429 1116, and we'll take the fifth caller through and you'll win yourself that wonderful prize. Fantastic. So there you go um, And 0433981116 That's the SMS number tonight So if you want to text in And uh, have a bit of a say on the show Please do say it like Marie's just sent. Hi guys, Hala Madrid on top and go Everton Man City and Melbourne City Are manufactured clubs There you go, Warren Um Who was that? Marie, Re- Marie.
1: Again, Marie. I'm refusing Don't be rude I'm to Marie I'm refusing to acknowledge distractors <laughs> And distractions
3: Alright, let's get into the Q&A It's ten past eleven that's- Like a bit of disco inferno on uh, Fort Diego's here in 11:16, Sen Melbourne's home of sport, FFA Cup night. Uh, Melbourne City took on Western Sydney Wanderers tonight and absolutely gave them a bath, 4-1. Michael Jakobsen scored in the second minute. Uh, not bad for a centre half. Um, it was an unbelievable goal. Bruno kick. F- Bruno Fornaroli scored in the 32nd minute. Tim Kale, uh scored his first goal for City with a penalty in the 45th. And Fernando Brandan scored in the 65th minute. Um, and Dimas got a consolation goal for Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, Nikolai Topol-Stanley got sent off and will miss the opening match, which is the uh, Sydney Derby. Which yeah, is
1: needless pretty- push. Needless push on Bruno one-on-one. But um, we're not negotiating with Fox. We're not likely to be on Fox at any <laughs> stage this year, are we, Rod um, Carlos? Because uh, well, I, I don't know whether I want to rant in a minute rant, mm. but I will say this, and this is... My rant out of... You're not going to bag their coverage, are you? No. They've got to understand, (laughs) okay, that Sydney, Sydney, the winner is Sydney, is not the centre of the football universe. With all due respect to Blacktown, who I know are the MPL champions of New South Wales... Why in the hell would you
2: put that game on? This FFA Cup is all about romance. Mm. There's no romance between Melbourne City and West Sydney. What about the romance between Bruno Fornaroli and (laughs) Tim (laughs) Cale? Actually, I think it's a bit of a love-hate relationship, really. Where's the hate coming from? When the penalty came up. There was not a little bit of "you take it, no, you take it, no, you take it, no, 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 you take it." It was like "I'll take it, no, I'll take it." You know, it was a bit. Of, I think it's going to get a little bit ugly. So what in the hell? Redress that issue. No, I'm not redressing the problem between Tim Kale and Bruno <laughs> right. Fornaroli that no one's talking about, but no one wants to raise because of the good of the game. The guest player, player rule has to be, you know, squeaky clean. Uh, but there's gonna be a problem between the two egos, the big egos in that in that club. I, they're gonna fight publicly over a penalty. I
3: thought Bruno again, was magnanimous. Again,
1: <laughs> I'm not I'm refusing to allow you <laughs> to do anything that takes away, the tarnishes. The tarnishes it was
2: beautiful, wasn't it, Warren? It was oh, the little back heel from Timmy How about the cutback? Yes. the cutback for yeah, the first yeah. goal. He could have smashed and in And by the himself. way, did you see Timmy just wheel away to the crowd and claim it as his own once Bruno put it away. Yep. And then Bruno went up and thanked him. Of course, it was all beautiful, but oh, uh, egos are egos. Oh,
3: Carlos, are you foreseeing something here? No,
2: no, I, I think it's good for the game. But as long as City keep on winning, they'll keep it in check. But getting back to Fox, what in the hell were they thinking? Uh, uh, it, it, it's what's good for the game, not good for Warren Diego.
3: Well, actually, I just off the text message Warren, you're a spud. It's all about the smaller clubs getting coverage.
2: Absolutely.
3: Oh, that's not me saying it. That's yeah. text Who is message it? anonymous though, Warren. <laughs> but anyway, there you go. Like if there was an FA Cup
2: From tie in England when to Liverpool another. plays, they'll show them on TV because they want to encourage the mediocre, mid-table, you know, uh, you know, non-achievers. They want to encourage that team. What's so- your role as the host of this show, Rodrigo? <laughs> to, to, to mediate?
3: Well, I am mediating. I was just about to say, I must admit, I was a bit disappointed when I sat down to watch yes. the game because we couldn't come in tonight, but uh, to go into the match tonight. But... Uh, to see the, the uh, Sydney FC Blacktown, but City only game.
2: because of Timmy K. And I
3: couldn't stream, which was also <laughs> the other problem, because they did yeah. have a streaming oh, service.
1: Streaming, Warren. streaming, streaming. I mean,
3: you don't need an IT degree to stream.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we know how well the opticized <laughs> streaming is going. So, as if that makes it
2: accessible, we want to watch it. Actually, was I was watching the streaming for a bit, uh, but the fourth goal it just buffered just beforehand. <laughs> I it just it just closed down on me. Dropped out. Just as they were kicking the fourth goal. Yeah,
3: modern words, buffered. That's yeah. that's the word that hmm. is in the vernacular already, yeah. isn't it? Um, Sydney FC defeated Blacktown City three 0 Holosco, Carney, and Bobo scored for Sydney FC. Bobo
1: Again. looked good. He was involved in Bobo. all the goals. Bobo. Bobo. He was involved in all the goals as provider yeah. and then scorer himself. Carney does what Carney does, and that is Finished score the well, the spectacular.
2: But really, Blacktown were hardly opposition tonight. They were. They no. they. You know, as much as I've been plucky and, you know, as an NPL club, people were building them up, but they really did disappoint on the, on the national stage You know tonight. what impressed
1: me most about that game? The way they mowed the artificial turf that looked like <laughs> real turf. That was really impressive, it's I true. actually thought, the way they yeah. had the patterns going on the, on the ground. But, uh, look, if there was romance, I mean, I suppose, but I would have thought that <laughs> Melbourne City was the team that you wanted to... The Melbourne City... City, City. Who
2: wanted to watch... That everyone, you, that you everyone, want, yeah. everyone. Everyone. Only because of Timmy. The Only magnanimous. Timmy. The magnanimous yeah. and average the football way, fan. Uh, do we have a crowd figure? It no, I don't. Like I'm not it sure looked whether a they, good crowd. Yeah, but I think it's the way they framed it too. Oh. They didn't notice they didn't have the second tiers of any no, part of the ground. Melbourne City's never had the, the second tier what, open, Carlos. What, what, 5, it, looked 000, like, 10, it, it looked like it, an average they, home crowd during the season. If they get ten if they got Anywhere near ten thousand? That is a success already.
3: Just uh, checking with Arthur Anderson at the moment, Carlos, for those uh, just being audited at the moment. Glorified pre-season warm-up uh, or Aussie version of kissing your sister cup? Yes. James at Caulfield. I agree. Um, Warren wouldn't know how to stream flog. That's Nathan. Um, <laughs>
1: if... you know who I, I know who that is. If... <laughs> I know who that is. Okay. If and Black... I'll come after yeah, him. Yeah. I'm telling him I'll come after him. If and Black- uh, how's West Ham going, Nathan? Just very quietly. <laughs> yeah, no,
3: if, if Blacktown went up, every TV would have flicked to the game. Car crashes always make uh, bigger headlines. There true, you go. True, true. Um, but uh, let's let's just talk about Melbourne City. So, mm. obviously, it's a pre-season game, but it's it's an important game. Uh, it's the FFA Cup. And uh, so... Did, uh, did, obviously, Nicolas Collazo yep. um, from Boca Juniors, um, he got a run tonight. Yep. Did you happen to catch any of his performance?
1: Tonight? I actually think Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, will be the song that Melbourne City walk out to. They've, the two Argentinian boys combined for one of the goals. I yep. mean, I think um, it, it, the the team looks like they're trying to be, I think Fornaroli for will still score lots of goals, but they're trying to find a way of being less reliant in that forward third. I think they're going to try and find goals from multiple spots. Really, last year, Melbourne City really only had goals from Aaron Moy, Bruno Fornaroli, or Harry Navio, And I think they're just trying to to look. And I know um, we were talking to Ray before, and he said that no one has replaced Aaron Moy. Although Luke Bratton won't be an Aaron Moy, but he's a really good, hard, workman-like midfielder, which I think will complement the side. I think... The thing for Melbourne City, it's not going to be front third you're going to be worried about. It's still going to be the defensive side of the game. And I know Jakobsen came in and scored, but he's there as a defender. And I think there's still a bit of a question mark in terms of who are going to be the full backs. Like they started the first game with Musket and Rose. You are
2: analysing this to the inch inch, inch of its death, really. It's a friendly game. If you analyse every practice match the way you're analysing this, they've lost the last two, 4-1 yeah, yeah, and 4-0. Yeah, nil. yeah that's good form going yeah. into another so preseason season practice match. Just don't worry about what's happening I'm, not, I'm tonight. just talking it's to just you. It's just nice the way we saw some nice interchange between Timmy Cale and Bruno Fornaroli. Whether that carries through to the first game of the season or early parts of the season, who knows? Uh, one thing about City, though, they're not made of a team of potential there's no more of that potential anymore. If you look through the mm, lines now... They've completely some, changed it, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, there's some, there's some real hardened professionals that have won things, and it's now a matter of John Van Ship actually bringing him together and making sure they are a coordinated unit that are on the same page. And uh, and I still reckon they've got a... I don't know. I'm not sure what they're going to do with Timmy and Bruno, uh, but it worked okay tonight. A couple of flicks, a couple of crossbacks and stuff like that, but... Uh, when you're up against the Melbourne victories of this world and, you know, when West Sydney Wanderers is up and about, because they will be, Sydney FCs, let's see how they operate then. Can I ask you a really left of centre question, Carlos?
1: In 12 months' time when John Van Schip finishes his coaching stint at Melbourne City, (laughs) do you think there is a chance that they'll go and look to poach an Australian coach like a Tony Popovich or whatever? Or do you think that they will look for a high-profile, and they could go after a high-profile overseas coach, one who's managed, maybe coached in the Premier League or Finn. somewhere.
2: Well, I mean, like a Pellegrino type. Yeah, but it has to be someone who's a who's winner. What do, do you winner. think they'll do? Oh, it, it's interesting because if they go with anyone in Australia, it would either, either be Ange Postacogli, which they won't get because Ange has got designs yep. for overseas after his stint with the Socceroos, uh, or of Tony Popovich. Uh, I, I can't see anyone else. I can't think of anyone else by way of being an Australian coach, yep. uh, and they're not going to invest in some young guy who's going to learn on the job. Yep. They want winners straight away. Uh, but what they've shown is their the, the network of recruiting around the world suddenly picked up a Bruno Fornaroli. Yep. And these two. The, uh, the Collazo, yep. the, this, this boy from and Argentina. Fernando, well. Fernando. I mean, these guys uh, are being picked up uh, when we haven't heard much about them, and they tend to be good players. So I think that though they might get that hard nosed south american guy yep. who is showing potential somewhere might be in portugal might be in uh, you know might be even you know in 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 europe somewhere and give that guy a chance but it's a really good question because i'll i'd be very interested to see what they do uh, yeah uh, they, they've been pretty ruthless with the with what they're recruiting in players so it'd be interesting to see what that guy does and by the way, what, what happens to the backroom staff too? They won't necessarily keep the same backroom staff. Yep. So if they turn over John Van Ship, yeah. the rest of them go too, I think. They, they
3: just won 4-1 tonight. So let's not talk about uh, John Van Schip leaving uh, just yet. <laughs> but, uh, Sorry, but, Rodrigo. Yeah, no, that was a, a left-field question. But anyway, so good win to Melbourne City. Good win to Sydney FC. So next week it's Bentley Greens and Melbourne victory wow. at the uh, Kingston Heath Soccer Complex in Cheltenham and Canberra Olympic take on Green Gully uh, in the ACT, so let's yeah, hope we what get are the,
2: What are those two: Canberra or Green Gully is going to make the semi-final. Do you want? And as such, say if we got it's an upset, say
1: victory lost, would you? You'd really like to have? Would you like to have the situation where the two non-A League teams play each other in a semi-final so we can get a
2: guaranteed Absolutely. team in the semi-final? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, th- this we love this cup, but it won't come of age until a non-A League team wins it, and. The quicker we can make that happen, <laughs> even if we manufacture it in some way, uh, the better it is for, for, the, for the competition.
3: As we go to the break, uh, Warren, Oz in St Albans. Melbourne City will do to the A-League what PSG is doing in Ligue 1 <laughs> and uh, Bayern is doing to the Bundesliga, mm-hmm. complete domination. The rest play for second spot.
1: Wow. Warren, there you go, you'd Oz. be happy about that, wouldn't you, Warren? Yeah, well, um, we're all members yep. this year. The family's signed up. We're passionate and paid up and in our pale blue. That works beautifully. So, um, yeah, we'll be fine. There you go. Very Thank nice. Thank you. Mm. Nice, nice to get an, a positive text message yeah. coming through I, early on I in the show, I thought I'd end this
3: little segment on that because <laughs> we need to take a break now because coming up after the break, it's Roy Hay mm. right after this on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's Home of Sport. Don't
1: cry for me, Argentina.
2: Football is like a religion to me. I worship the ball and treat it like a god. Too many players think of a football as something to kick. They should be taught to caress it and treat it like a precious gem. This has been a hot and sweaty but strangely arousing Pele moment by the Four Diego's.
3: On 1116
2: SEN, the Four Diego's.
3: Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday night. As always, good to have your company with the Diego's. It was FFA Cup night tonight. Uh, Melbourne City into the semi finals after defeating Western Sydney Wanderers 4 1. Jakobsen, Fornaroli, Kale, and Fernando scored for Melbourne City, and uh, for Dimas scored in for uh, Western Sydney Wanderers. And Sydney FC uh, thrashed Blacktown City 3 0. Halosko, Carnian Bobo. <laughs> Bobo? <laughs> yeah, it sounds better than Bobo.
1: Yeah. Iced. Oh, sorry. That's Vovo.
3: <laughs> no, no. Anyway, was... so both Sydney FC and Melbourne City in to the FFA Cup uh, semifinals. And of course, uh, Bentley Green's Melbourne victory next week, next Tuesday, and Canberra Olympic and Green Gully as well. So uh, very, very interesting time in the FFA Cup. But now it's time to introduce our special guest tonight. He is uh, a prolific author and historian, um, a man that just lives and breathes, well, words. Football aristocrat. And, football, yeah.
2: That's good, yeah, that's great. Aristocrat.
3: Football aristocrat. So, um, Roy Hay, welcome to the Diego's.
2: Thank you. Ed- I'm normally
4: known as the Deacon Mungrel. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, we don't want to call you that tonight. No. Uh, we'll be a little we, bit- we knew that, Roy, and
4: we just didn't want to raise it. <laughs> oh, well. But anyway, my cover's blown.
3: <laughs> you were at the game tonight too, weren't you?
4: Yes, I was. And I thought it was a cracker of a game. Um... The Wanderers were in it for long periods and played very well, um, even with ten men. Um, But I thought City, after a terrible pre-season, looked the goods. And I think they'll go far this season. I certainly enjoyed it anyway. And uh, we had position A. We walked in late, uh, my wife and I, and... um, a kind lady official. There aren't many of them at, uh, <laughs> Melbourne Heart and Melbourne No, Victory full stop, Games. Roy. There's yeah, not very well, many. You give them a they, jacket at a football game and they're, they're not kind. Yeah, well, that's been my experience, unfortunately. But tonight I have nothing but praise for them. They found us the two best seats in the house, so we had a great time. Lovely.
3: <laughs> well, it's nice to have you with the Diego's. Just quickly, men, please ask Roy to confirm if he's related to James Jimmy Hay, a Scottish footballer. Um, uh, who captained Celtic between oh, 1906 and 1911, and made 322 appearances for the club? Harry and Tottenham.
4: Well done, you got that in one. Really? Yeah,
2: yeah. you you are related. Yeah, uh, it's my grandfather. Really? I wrote wow! His, I
4: wrote his um, biography. Uh, he's not only the f- First um, Protestant captain of Glasgow Celtic. Wow. Right? So it's a plague on both your houses. As far <laughs> yeah, as I'm it's concerned. true. <laughs> but um, Captain Newcastle United um, went back to air. Eventually, he was a, a player in air. Um, then they discovered they were fighting the First World War. And they said, Jimmy, we need you in France as a gunner. He said, but I'm a minor." He was back down the mines again, um, and I've got a family to support, but they sent him off to France. Then he came back and managed Air United and finished up as the only manager in the history of the game to be suspended for life for refusing to (laughs)
2: apologise. And you wonder where (laughs) I got my (laughs) cussedness from. That's fantastic. We actually are here to talk about your book, (laughs) book, and we will talk about it in a sec, but... Just your comments about Scottish football. When I was growing up, there were some just wonderful Scottish individual footballers, uh, you know, Dennis Laws, your Archie Gemmels, your Jimmy Johnsons, uh, you know, uh, your Dixie Dean, all these great footballers. Uh, and some of them you w- would go down as, you know, some of the greatest footballers to play the game. Mm. Uh, what's happened to Scottish football? Well, you see,
4: the thing is, a good team needs probably four or five. Scottish players. Our problem is we have to play 11 of them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but why, why aren't you producing those wonderful players that everyone... I mean, Kenny Dalgleish, I mean, it like, just mm. goes through... Yeah. Some of these yeah. were some of the world's greatest players that have ever, ever played the game. Mm. The, the economics
4: is against it, of course, because the big money's in England. Um, But the other thing is that over the last few years, probably about a decade, we've tended to ape England in going for a large number of pretty average foreign players. And the result is the number of native Scots who are available playing at the top level in Scotland is very small. Um, And that means your national team it ha- hasn't got the cream to pick anymore. I mean, we've always got one or two players who can hold their head up, but you don't have a depth of the pool than the way that we mm. had in the days when Kenny Dalgleish was the creme de la creme. Mm.
3: Fantastic, and it seems to be a problem Oh, it's not. Un- it's not unique to Scotland <laughs> not, by nah, nah, nah. any means. Exactly. Well, Roy, we're here to talk about uh, your your latest uh, book. It's football and war: Australia and Vietnam, nineteen sixty seven to nineteen seventy two, a missing part of the national narrative. And congratulations to Nick, who was the fifth caller through and picked up the uh, well picked done, up Nick. the book. So, congratulations. Hope you enjoy that, Nick. The title really says it all, doesn't it? Um, you call it part of the missing part of the national narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't people know more about, you know, the Aussies who went to Vietnam to play football during the war?
4: It's, it's a real puzzle, isn't it? I mean, you would think you send a team to a war zone. Ray Richards, who got his first cap on that tour, he says, nowadays they send them horse riding and cow gas, a bonding exercise. They sent us to the middle of a bloody war. And, I mean, at a time when, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the there were... Uh, bombs being let off there the was when when um, Jack Riley went uh, he said that they got a briefing that said you'll hear a lot of explosions at, at night don't worry, <laughs> most of it's outgoing, <laughs> most of it <laughs> it's coming from us <laughs> <Is> that, <laughs> <is that right>? <laughs> but <laughs> it means that some of it's incoming yeah. you know? yeah. <laughs> so um, it's a crazy thing to do but we did it and they came home with our first international trophy for football which I mean people inside the game vaguely know about it but most of them don't know how it fits into the broader story we went back three times 67 when we won the competition, uh, 70 we won again and then in 72 we played a couple of games and it was that that group of players that formed the nucleus of the team that got us to West Germany and the World Cup for the first time in 74. Since that became Rally Rasic and the national story, the events of 67 became just a precursor rather than a a huge achievement in its own right.
1: Roy, I I think it might have something to do with the overall way that the Vietnam experience has been recorded in Australian history. I mean, I read a book by Paul Hamm last year mm. on the Vietnam War and it's yeah. not until you read about the total Vietnam experience, not only the soldiers but participation of, you know, singers and media people and their and Australia's involvement in Vietnam, do you understand the depth of our involvement and and also the sacrifices that were made by people who fought the war and obviously these players in mm. terms of going over there. Yeah. I, I don't
4: pretend and none of the players pretend that they went through what those young men whose um, number came up and were sent as conscripts to the war. These were the real heroes um, and I, I have nothing but admiration for them. So the, the, the soccer players, on the other hand, um, they are the only group that have not been collectively recognised. All the entertainers got a, a medal for their performance, uh, and have been recognised in uh, videos, in, in uh, documentary films. Well, little little so Paddy had a little little, s- uh, a little Australian a story, couple story. Yeah, a couple yeah. of couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I feel it's terrible that this group of players who represented us perfectly have never had the collective recognition.
1: Who invited the team to go and play, Roy? What was, that? What was the circumstances of, a, of an Australian team whose troops were fighting against the Vietnamese in <laughs> Vietnam? What was, the, what was the scenario around them being invited or being asked to go and play? Well, would you believe the file which
4: records the decision-making, and it went right up to Australian cabinet level, that file was never transferred to the National Archive and has been lost. So the critical information about the, d- the decision-making is not available to us. My guess is that when Vice President Key came to Australia in January 1967, he either at that time or subsequently, since he was head of soccer as well as um, you know, vice president. Pretty much runs everything. The the, the power behind the (laughs) throne, right? Um, I'm pretty sure this was part of their soft power diplomacy. Uh, It certainly was an invitation that came to the Australian Soccer Federation, which had been trying to cobble together a tour of um, Southeast Asia um, and struggling to raise the money to do so and now it was presented with this opportunity. But why did Harold Holt's government go along with this? Because, you know, football and politics are not supposed to mix, you know. There's that myth, you know, where it's under the surface, it's all happening. And the other thing ab- about this, of course, is to remember that they came home in at the end of uh, in, in November 1967 and then a couple of weeks later, Harold Holt went swimming <laughs> and disappeared. Right. And of course, soccer dropped off the the story at that point.
2: Now, Roy, it, it's a wonderful book. Uh, I flicked through it, and in, in terms of books these days, it's almost like a tweet. It's actually quite <laughs> a. It's actually shorter compared to some of your other masterpieces that I've read. Uh, it's a, it's just a wonderful little book, and you've got to get a chance. We'll get. Some information about where people can get the book in a sec. But if you were to pick one story uh, out of the book uh, that was told to you by a player or a coach, which story would you would you tell us about that encapsulates what that whole t- that visit to Vietnam meant to the players? And
4: they win the semi final, so they're playing North Korea in the final. The team, one of the team managers, is a crusty old Scot called John Barclay. And he, in his promotional speech, motivational speech, says, Listen, guys, the a- I've put my head on the block for you. The ASF want you to return your tracksuits at the end of the tour. But if you win the competition, you'll get to keep your tracksuits. <laughs> Can you imagine Timmy Cow playing for the Jerseys? Well,
3: there's a bit of vision there. There's a Is bit it? of vision. <laughs> That's unbelievable. So, who who was who was some of the greats who travelled? Who,
4: who travelled? Well, the, the, Johnny Warren, uh, the late Johnny Warren. This was really his um, second experience of that. He'd been to Nam Pen in '65 with the the um, that team, um, and as he said, it was like going to another planet. I mean, going to Vietnam in the middle of a war um, is just mind blowing. Um, But several of the players uh, kicked on from there. Manfred Schaefer, for example. When Joe Vlasic, who was the coach, when he started the first game, he had Frank Mitchich, whom many of you will know, lovely guy, uh, played for JUST. Uh, Frank was going to be his libero, the, the Franz Beckenbauer of the side. But they finished up. All the games were played on an absolute quagmire. <laughs> I mean, I, I've got these photographs of, of Billy Wojtek, covered, absolutely covered in mud, you know. Um, and, of course, Frank was a top-of-the-ground player. And at half time of the first game, uh, Joe Vlasic said, this is not working, and pulled him off and put on Manfred Schaefer. And Manfred, of course, went on to become the nuggety heart of our defensive midfield, the Millie mm. um of the, that team that went on to Germany alongside P- Peter Wilson, who went on one of the later tours.
3: Just, just before we get into how you can get the book, how, how many books, just, uh, just generally, how many books... <laughs> specifically. Specifically. Yeah, yeah, generally and specifically, <laughs> yes, right. have you written?
4: Uh, 11 or 12, something like that. Right, and when, when was it? your first one? 1975 the Origins of the Liberal Welfare Reforms.
2: That's interesting football <laughs> book. But it's
4: you know, it's still in print and yeah. still bringing in royalties. Yeah, no, it's amazing. You,
2: you've got a couple more books coming out. Uh, some wonderful A-League. It's an A-League book that's coming out very, yeah. very soon. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, the great one that we promoted, uh, I think, last year, was The History of Australian football, football, which is really good. We're going to be giving Almighty. those away, Roy. Mm-hmm. We're going to be getting in the publishers' ears and getting those books here, going to give them away... And because uh, they're really, you know, people are crying out for the history of our game, mm. uh, especially with the FFA Cup now. Everyone yep. getting into that, everyone sort of reflecting on what what the past was, and uh, and it, which is great because we're not forgetting teams like the 1974 World Cup. But I think the next stage is to remember these teams mm. that prior to that, that uh, that actually these guys, these part timers, that. You know, they all came from overseas as immigrants and they suddenly representing Australia in a World Cup. It's think, amazing stories.
4: Think of the, what the situation about the women's teams at the moment. They're only just beginning to be paid rather than paying themselves to mm. play. And this is virtually the state of our teams that we sent to Vietnam. If I could do the conversions, I would tell you how much pocket money they've got.
3: Well, the book is Football and War, Australia Hmm. and Vietnam, 1967 to 1972, a missing part of the national narrative. How can our listeners buy the book?
4: should just go into the local bookshop and order it. Um, If it doesn't come up on the screen, just tell the bookshop owner to contact Dennis Jones & Associates in Bayswater, who are our distributor. They have hundreds of copies um, and they'll be delighted to fulfil orders. The recommended retail is 1995 um, and it's, it's partly designed to underpin an exhibition at the National Museum of Australia, which is running now, it will run for the next four years. And it's the background to a documentary that Um, Richard Bayliss and Ben Coonan are preparing. Do you remember they did that fantastic thing on November 16? They're doing another one on this group to be presented uh, or launched next November which will coincide with FFA's Hall of Fame and will be the 50th anniversary. So all of this is designed to put really pressure on FFA to come to the party and recognise these boys next year before they fall off the twig. We've yeah. already lost several of them.
3: Fantastic. You'll get some change out of 20 bucks. It's a, a fantastic uh, value. Um, the book is Football and War, Australia and Vietnam, 1967-1972, to 1972, a missing part of the national narrative. Roy Hay, thank you very much for joining the Diego's. It's Thanks, Roy.
4: My pleasure and a privilege. Thank you, gentlemen.
3: Let's take a break now and come back with more of the Four Diego's here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of
2: sport. How much do you feel the game? Do you feel it like Brazilian commentators do? Obrigado,
4: Guilherme. A liga com o Adilson. Agora a paliga meteu no buraco raído e no mes.
2: love this game. This has been a tribute to Brazilian commentators everywhere. This is The Four Diego's.
1: On
0: 1116
2: SEN, The Four Diego's. Thanks for
3: joining us on this Wednesday night with The Four Diego's and uh, we've got a of uh UK stuff coming up right now with Mike McGrath. Let's go to the UK now. Mike, welcome to the show. Oh, I thought we were going to the US, Mike McGrath from the, the US uh, to the UK. How are you, Mike? How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm good.
0: I've I'm got
3: good. you. We've got you now. Hey, it's Rodrigo Rodriguez, uh Warren Diego's here and uh Carlos Alberto Diego. Um I know Warren wants to kick off uh with the first question, but uh they're all happy in Watford, not so much in Manchester.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which means they're probably happy in Liverpool as well.
1: Um, (laughs) No, Mike, I was was interested that Manchester United now are just like every club. There's a thin veil of confidence that's reinforced by early wins in the season. But when they lose a couple in a row, the sort of, you know, it's wafer thin, this confidence. And they've turned really quickly. And I suppose central to the story is not so much. You know, it's pretty much Wayne Rooney, isn't it, in terms of what are they going to do with him? Is he the problem that's affecting Pogba? And are they going to be able to turn around? Because it's a really interesting game this week. I think they've got Leicester at home. Leicester have got some momentum, although poor in the league. And, man, you have lost three in a row.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I don't... um, I'm not quite... So far into the camp, saying that um, it's a massive crisis at United. It was a really bad week. They were they were terrible at fire Nord in a game that they weren't supposed to really care about, and they were poor against Watford. Um, I think the City game you could probably take that you know that was a 50-50 game. So I'm not quite so sure it's a crisis yet. But yes, they do have problems there. Where to play Rooney? How to get the best out of Pogba? how to get a tune out of Anthony Marshall as well. They're all questions that need to be answered, but I do think it's really, really early to kind of say that this is Jose finished or this is Jose, um, you know, this is United gone for the season. I think there is still time for them. And there's also, um, you know, there's Northampton tonight, um, which I don't think they're going to lose. And then you get a home game against, Leicester, so I think a couple of wins they could be alright, but yeah, obviously I think this week belonged to Man City rather than Man United in terms of, um, of the power in Manchester.
2: Mike, uh, it's Carlos. It, I, I don't think I've seen so much scrutiny around Jose Mourinho right now and people aren't just saying he's, he's actually uh, not doing well at Man U, but they're actually going back to the Chelsea time and even before that at Real Madrid where you know he ended up winning, but you know, it was an unhappy time for him. Has he been off the boil for longer than what people are actually talking about? Uh, and is the critic? I mean, is is he no longer the special one?
0: Well, I mean, it it does depend on how you look. You know, if if you look at the last say twenty games that Jose Mourinho has had in club football, they haven't been great. Chelsea, that those results got him the sack, and he's lost. The last three games for United, so yeah, it isn't a great recent record. But I just, I, I do think that there is a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to this, and that he is part of a process at United, and that they probably will be top three come the end of the season. Uh, it's, I know that's not kind of what everybody wants to hear. That the United, you know, the, the people that want United to fail probably think. That Mourinho is a busted flush, but I do think that he, um, there is still something there. I still do think there is, there is a special manager there. I just think that it's a bit of a different playing field to what it was when he first arrived at Chelsea and he was blowing everybody away, you know. I, 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 but I, I think he still he could still have a very good season.
1: Now, Mike, I'm going to take you to task because if you're saying that Manchester United can still be a power and finish top three, based on Liverpool's start to the season and the fact that they've beaten Arsenal away, Chelsea away, drawn at Tottenham, probably should have won. I know the Burnley game was a poor result, but you'd have to look at the way that they're playing at the moment, and particularly Coutinho and Firmino up front, and say that if they can maintain some defensive solidity, they can be in and around those Champions League spaces just on what they've put together so far.
0: Yeah, I do. I agree with that. I was there at Stanford on Friday and it was, a, it was a fantastic performance. Um, from first whistle to the final whistle to the five minutes afterwards, and Klopp was hugging everybody. It was just fantastic viewing uh, to see that. He's from Liverpool. Uh, um, he gets asked every single press conference after the game. And it's valid. People are asking for a reason. They're asking, can you maintain that after Christmas? Because they are flying out the blocks and they are they are running themselves into the ground. Even Klopp, when we spoke to him, said that he got into the dressing room. The players were just panting. They were out of breath because they'd given him every single thing. (laughs) that's the big question about football.
2: Mike, uh, West Ham. On their day.
0: Oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, they can beat anybody on their day, but it's, they can do it at a level of intensity uh, because it is it is taking a lot out of the players.
2: Mike West Ham. Uh, I look at the ladder now, and I don't usually look at the ladder before Christmas because they did so well you're worried, last year. You no, worried, Carlos. because they did so well last year. I started looking at the ladder too early this year. Anyway, then the bottom three, which reminds me of the 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 norm for West Ham in the bottom three. Uh, they've had some really bad results, and uh, and I mean, do you, what do you put it down to? Slavon Bilic is still a highly rated, highly regarded. Uh, manager, They've still got Payette there. They've still got, you know, they haven't lost many of the great plays they had last season. Uh, th- has the move to the Olympic Stadium, you know, caused any of this?
0: I think, I put it down to a couple of things. I do think the stadium is a factor. Um, I'm actually going there in, a, in about three hours. I'll be there for the Accrington-Stanley game in the League Cup to see it, see it for my own eyes um, how bad it is because I've heard nothing but bad things um, about this move, about the atmosphere, about the way that they're treating fans. And obviously the fans, you don't um, want to see anybody fighting um, among themselves, but I have heard that they're not getting a great deal either. Um, I think also that maybe they might have believed their own hype about last season, that they are a great team and they may, may have forgotten what the basics are, which is what made them very good last season, and that is, at the back, just simply getting rid of the ball um, and simple defending. And they seem to have eradicated that from their game. And until they do, it's going to be a long road for them. I think Dilich is going to get a time, but I think it's it's not good times for them. Uh, I'd like to see Reece Oxford in that team, by the way, as a defensive midfielder, he's one of the best players in this com- young players in this country, and he's not getting a shot at the moment in a team that's um, conceding a lot of goals.
3: If they've got supporters like Carlos I'm worried at this <laughs> stage of the season, Mike, they must be doing badly. So, hey, thanks for your time and uh, have a good time tonight uh, watching the game.
0: Cheers, guys. Speak
3: soon. There's Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK. Always good to talk to Mike on a Wednesday night. Let's take a break now and come back. With a little bit more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On 1116 SEN, the four Diego's. Coming up after Diego's, it's All Night Appetite with Scotty Cooney. Make sure you stick around for that. Not much time to go, boys. It's been a big show. Thanks to Roy Hay. Mm. Uh, It was great to talk to Roy. Thanks to Mike McGrath. Thanks to your text messages. Vinnie Venezuela's back next week, so are we. So remember, cut a lot. Wherever
2: Puerto Rican girls hang out, we'll, we'll be there. Wherever Rumba and La Bamba, we'll, we'll be there. there. Wherever yeah. there's girls with fruit on their head and balls at their feet, we'll, we'll be, be there. there.
3: Wherever Gringos play football, we'll, we'll be there. there. We are the Four Diego. Ole! Ole!